You may have heard of the 80-20 rule. It might be called the Pareto Principle. It means 80% of the results come from 20% of your effort or activities. Do you sometimes feel that you work so hard yet achieve so little? When you recognize how emotional intelligence plays a key role in your life, you too can truly achieve great results. Welcome back to the Career Growth Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Craig Ansell, and we're celebrating with episode 40 today, Becoming Aware of Your Emotional Intelligence. We can all too often learn from others and pick up habits. Sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. We have to be careful with the groups and networks that we uh, have around us because it can be very impactful on our lives. There's an old saying, and it is, you become the product of your environment. Meaning, if you're in a happy, productive environment, you'll likely find yourself having the same feelings and performance levels. However, as our environments change and potentially become negative, they can pull us down. Now, maybe they didn't start out that way, but over time, they can pull us into a downward spiral, especially as complaints become more frequent and compliments less. This can result in us having a negative view on things and an overall negative view on life. As we go into the new year, albeit a challenging year with our second wave of COVID, you might want to put your emotional intelligence radar on and do a self-check. What types of networks, friend groups, and coworkers do you routinely hang out with? Another way to look at things, after you've been with someone for quite some time, how do you feel afterwards? Do you generally feel pumped up, energetic, and even recharged? Or do you feel kind of worn out and worn down, from potentially from the conversation or maybe the tone in the conversation? We don't recognize that there's so many different emotional intelligence cues that take place that they affect us on a regular basis. To become aware of your emotional intelligence, I'd suggest it's a three-step process. One, to have the capability to recognize your own emotions and those of others. Two, to categorize the different feelings. And three, process that information to transform your thinking and behavior. The result? You'll become someone adaptable in different social environments. To start with, on step one, we have to realize that our brain has two main components, an emotional side and a logical side. All too often, we drift from the logical side and into the emotional side or emotional state, and that's when feelings of fear, anxiety, and stress can take over and kind of sabotage us. For those of you familiar with sales and marketing, the idea is to give people a good amount of information, the benefits, the values of a product, but combine it with emotional content so that people have feelings about the product, generally driven to a high energy level, a euphoric level, so that they can make the purchase. You know, what's funny, that reminds me of something. 
I'm not a realtor, but a friend of ours shared this with us, that years ago, the realty um, industry was experiencing a lot of um, r- a lot of returns or canceled um, contracts within the first 24 or 48 hours after the large purchase of a home. What they determined after doing some research was that this was called buyer's remorse. They got so emotionally excited, almost hijacked by the fact that they're buying this new, beautiful home, that they didn't see the expensive price tag that came with the home. Within 24 to 48 hours, their emotions settled down and they realized something's going on here. We might have bitten off more than we can chew. And as end result, some people went back to the realtors and actually canceled their contracts or certainly put a strong effort in to attempt to cancel the contract. Now, what realtors do in some cases is explain the fact that after the purchase of a home, it's natural to feel this way and it's part of the normal human cycle. So don't worry if you feel this way because you're making a good solid choice, a good solid investment by purchasing a home. A big key, I believe, to completing step one and being successful is to have the ability to recognize your own emotions. You need to stop at various times throughout the day and kind of do a self-check and say, how am I feeling? Or how am I acting right now? If you feel something's off, step back for a moment. Take a brief break before continuing. If you're on a call, just ask for a momentary pause. If you're in a meeting, call a short break if possible. But ask yourself, what's going on here? You might have recently been emotionally triggered, and that again could cause you to shift from the logical side of your brain and thinking to the emotional side. We need to first know how we change emotions and how we're affected before we can actually recognize the emotions and feelings of others, understand them, and react to them in a better way. Something that we should understand that's at the core of our being comes from thousands of years of human behavior. There's the logical side, the processing side, and then there's the emotional side. And the emotional side handles the fight-or-flight reflex. Something happens, and our brain goes into all hands and battle stations. We need to decide right now, in this situation, are we going to fight, or are we going to take flight? And when that happens, we're running high in adrenaline, and our emotions are at an all-time high. Sometimes that happens instantly, such as when you burn yourself and your hand pulls away from a stove, or you're about to see uh, an accident or be, be in an accident and you have to react instantly. That makes sense. Some of that's instinctual. But on the other part of this, there's also the recognition, as I said briefly earlier, that we change from a logical state to an emotional state. When we start to recognize those feelings, those triggers, there's tools and techniques out there to help us so that we can pull ourselves back into the logical world. This can be very important when you're on a critical call with a customer or in a meeting or having to make a very uh, intensive decision, right? A very critical decision. You want to do it from the logical side. Although emotion does play a role, you try to control and maintain your emotion while you're focusing on this logical component. There's a couple tips and techniques out there that you can use to help you control and stay in your logical side if you feel that you're drifting into an emotional one. One of the common examples is to take a deep breath and hold it, then blow it out slowly through your mouth. What you're achieving is a reset from the emotional side to the logical side. It's kind of like a jumpstart, 
and getting you back into logical state. The other thing that if you've ever watched TV shows or movies and right before they start, there's a countdown timer, like a little screen. It's usually in black and white and it's five, four, three, two, one, then action. There's a specific reason for this. Yes, it's a countdown before the show or the newscast starts, but it also helps the person prepare mentally. By counting down backwards, it is a unnatural process, and it's driven to keep us out of our emotional side and into our logical side because our brain needs to think to process. That's why specifically they don't do counting up. We're going to start on five. One, two, three, four, five. That typically doesn't work. And the reason for that is that we have been counting all our lives. As young children, we started out with our numbers and then, you know, one through five, one through 10, one through 100, repeating over and over those early numbers. It's too easy a process for us. And so that's why we use the counting backwards approach. So those two tips can help you with regards to recognizing your own emotions. And you can use either one relatively privately because you can count backwards silently in your head. That will do the trick just fine. And as far as the breathing, if you keep it controlled, very likely others won't see it either, but it will help you with trying to control your emotions and staying in the logic side of your brain. From there, then, we're going to look at categorizing our feelings. Step number two. I'm going to reference a book by Dr. Travis Bradbury, and it's called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. It's a book that I loved reading. It's a quick read, but it does get into some technical things about controlling and owning your emotional intelligence. On one of the pages, there's a small chart, and he's got the intensity level of low, medium, and high. Then he's got the feelings stated as happy, sad, angry, afraid, and ashamed. I'm just going to give you one reference in the afraid section. For a low intensity, he says one of the feelings you could have could be um, anxious. If that afraid intensity goes to medium, for example, you could be frightened. Then if that afraid intensity goes to high, it could be fearful or horrified. That chart really helped me when I was reading his book because I actually realized that I started getting nervous during some meetings when I was at work or certain situations that were occurring in my life. And I was able to use that chart to say my intensity level is low, medium or high. And here's the feeling I'm having from there, then recognizing the way that I was feeling, which hopefully you can, too, from step one. This will then help you have a situation where you can start to compartmentalize and process or categorize what feeling you are having. From there, I then went on to the why, right? Step three, I need to process my information to transform into a different behavior or a different thinking. If I feel anxiety or fear or stress, what is the reason for that? Kind of back out of it emotionally and think about it logically, From there, then, I realized I was uncomfortable with a certain activity, or perhaps I was nervous, uh, going to be nervous speaking in front of a large crowd, or maybe I had not prepared well enough for my upcoming activity, whatever the case may be. But the good part about this process is, as you start to unpack your behaviors and your emotions, you can start to transform and see that if I take this, if I feel this way and take this action, I get this result. 
you can try different approaches to see how well it works for you in your situation. It may be slightly different in your professional life versus your personal, but maybe being able to catch them from the beginning in step one would be a great approach to helping you categorize and then modify your end behavior to see if you get different and improved results. Since we've gone through step one, two, and three, we didn't really talk about the uh, emotions and behaviors of others. First, we had to realize how we are acting and how we are feeling and kind of do a self-reflection. Now that we've done that, we can talk about picking up on others' social cues and on others' emotional intelligence. For example, when you're speaking to someone, if their arms are closed, that typically gives a closed-off message, meaning they're probably not fully processing what you're saying and probably not fully receiving it. So if you notice an open body stance with the arms down at the sides, and if someone's looking at you, it's highly likely that they're going to be interested and engaged and retain a lot of the information, a lot of the conversation you have with them. However, if you run into situations, whether it's in person or virtually or by phone, for example, where you're picking up on others' social cues, that can lead to you starting to think about their emotional intelligence and where they are in this conversation. How would you like to act now that you've noticed this emotion? What would you like to do in the conversation to change it so that you could take the conversation in a different path? So reading body language is critical, and you can do that even if you're in virtual meetings, assuming people's cameras are on, as well as if it's audio only, because people's voices are comprised of just not the words we're choosing to use, but the tone, the volume level, the inflection, right? How loudly are they speaking? Do they emphasize any key words or any parts of that sentence or that conversation? If there's any significant pauses, you might have an opportunity to interject at those points. Also, speaking about word choice, which can be critical at times. I have a prior episode I'll put in the show notes, and it was titled Extreme Words, Always and Never. I've noticed over my years that if people use those extreme words, so-and-so always, they never If you use those two words or hear them being used, there's usually some type of emotional trigger behind them, and that can be helpful in exploring additional information in conversations or knowing when to back off and change topics depending on what the conversation's about. So, I kind of challenge you with this episode to follow the three steps we talked about for becoming aware of your emotional intelligence. Step one, capability to recognize your own emotions and those of others. Step two, categorize the different feelings that you're having so you know where you were and where you currently are. And then step three, process your information so that you can transform your thinking and your behavior. That should give you the end result that you become someone that's adaptable in different social situations. You know what your past track record is, so you've seen how people have worked with you and you've worked with others, and you know how they're wired, how they typically communicate. If you had great social interactions with them, continue to use this practice and see if you can make it even better. But if there have been some situations you've had that have been difficult or you choose not to communicate with certain people because of the challenges that you face, you might be able to use this three-step technique to help you uncover what's at the true core of it, and it may not 
not be the fact that um, both of you are not compatible with each other. It may be the fact that whenever you work with this person or these people, that it's the particular subject matter that's causing the problem. And rather than blaming the person, blame the problem, right? So rather than attack the person, attack the problem and see what you can do to help solve that situation. I hope these three steps, along with a few tips on trying to get out of your emotional side and back into your logical side, will help you. And I'd love to get some feedback from you on social media, as well as you can also email us at craig at craigansell.com, or if you have any questions about the show, info at craigansell.com. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and also Twitter for 2021. We're wishing you peace and health this new year. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will talk to you next week. God bless. Thank you.